Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The Nasty Cast might sound like a silly name for a show, but this is a serious fantasy baseball podcast. Okay, maybe not that serious, but these guys aren't just here to party. Hello and welcome to the Nasty Cast Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Van Lee, and we're talking third baseman on today's episode. But it's not just me, it's we, and that means I'm joined by Ron Rigney. That really rhymes a lot of ways. What do you think, Ron? More like third baseman, am I right? Ah, yeah. (laughs) Let's see what clever things Brian Vaughn has to say. Brian. Man, you really, you really put me on the spot like I'm mm-hmm. somebody that's supposed to talk on a podcast or something. Uh, you know what? Ron gets the crown for today's episode. More like Cold Corner. Is that good? Mm, that was pretty good. I, I liked it, yeah. Had Ron not said his thing, I would be more open to accepting you. More like Tepid Corner. I know you like the word Tepid. I do like the word Tepid, but uh, again, still Ron <sighs> saying his thing. Too you little, just too late. Luck too little, too late. Yeah, doing third base on today's episode. We also have some other cool discussions to have, including the Hall of Fame. Oh, boy. We're going to play a new game that Brian has created for us. Or maybe not a game, but segment. We'll find out. It's both. It's fun. Fun for the whole family. Perfect. And then we're, of course, going to discuss third baseman. So a lot lot to cover today. Let's just get right into it. And a very different third base position, by the way. So if you think you know third base. You don't. You (laughs) stick around and listen. (laughs) So let's get into the Hall of Fame stuff first. The announcement was made just a few short hours ago that David Ortiz, big poppy himself, is a first ballot Hall of Famer. To that point, though, Barry Bonds... Kurt Schilling, and Roger Clemens are the newest members of no longer being eligible for the Hall of Fame. Voters decided that they were not good enough at baseball to be in the Hall, and yet David Ortiz is there. So I just want to discuss that. You can gleam how I feel about this from the way I said that, but I'm curious to see what you guys have to say. So I'll go last. Let's go Ron first. What do you think of Ortiz being in the Hall of Fame? What do you think of Bonds not being in the Hall of Fame? What do you think of the whole thing at this point? It's. I mean, we've 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 thought this thing's a sham the last few years. It's a bunch of butthurt old men that if you didn't treat them well, they're taking it personally. Many many years later, they cannot get over it. And it's one of these things that it sucks. But I'm almost kind of like, I'm almost kind of glad that they're not on the ballot anymore. Because I mean, how many years has it been since Pete Rose has not been eligible, and it still gets brought up all the time? that he needs to be put in. He's not going to get put in. He's just not. And I, I, I no matter what side of the fence you're on, th- these guys should be voted in. The PED guys should be voted in. If you Obviously, if you like it, you don't, whatever. It's something that when everybody was doing it, it was not being tested. It was not something that, that they were looking for. Everybody knew they were doing it. They appreciated the numbers they were putting up. They, you know, every, everybody embraced it. So I, I, I don't know why you don't put Bonds in. I don't know why, and I don't think Schilling, just based on his stats, me personally, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Clemens, I could maybe see it, but yet again, you know, you you have these guys that it's 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 somebody it's somebody's opinion is what is getting you in, somebody's opinion of you, and 
And let's not forget that, that there's a little bit of a PED cloud surrounding uh, Mr. Big Poppy David Ortiz as well. But I think it just boiled down to the fact that maybe he was nicer to some of the guys that, yeah. that cast these votes, and I think that's what it is. But that's, at the end of the day, exactly I you know I kind of I, I just kind of glanced at some of the guys that are eligible next year, and it doesn't look like for the next at least for next year we're going to have really any slam dunk Hall of Famers from what I can see. But it also kind of sucks too that we you know in the NFL at least you have a class where you have multiple guys and you have multiple guys giving speeches, and it's kind of a cool thing. I think it kind of sucks when you just have one guy getting in and the thing's going to be about one guy giving a speech and that's it. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ron. I think, man, to circle back, I, the biggest thing here is the clear writer bias of like, this player has an unpleasant personality, which must be the factor, right? Because I'm going to quickly summarize the fact that I agree with you, Ron. We cannot discriminate between PED guys or between guys of that era. We don't even know to what degree anything they took enhanced performance, to what degree was the several different baseballs. Major League Baseball has always been willing to try to boost numbers, especially coming off of a player strike. So in 1995 and then after that. So, I, I mean, setting all of that aside and the fact that we don't even know how steroids affect play. David Ortiz had a positive test. A lot of players haven't. Like, Barry Bonds has never had never a positive, had a positive test. Nope. That, so did he roid up? Of course he did. But the thing is, like, if you take Ortiz, who was worth about 50 war for his career over Bonds, who is the best baseball player who ever played, I, I that is bonkers to me, even though I am fine with Ortiz getting in because he's essentially one of the best. He's like Edgar Martinez to me. If if you're maybe he's borderline, but he was one of the best DHs ever to do that. Um, that said, Barry Bonds was the best well-rounded player in baseball history. Uh, I, I I know you can find these anywhere, but just just I want to read this: 164 WAR or 162, depending on your source. 298, 444, 607. That's his career's triple slash line. 762 home runs. Positive defensive value by a lot over his career, 514 steals, and I think the best peak in history uh, in terms of his performance. We will not see him in in a baseball history museum. And this, to me, cements the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame as like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's a, it's a popularity contest with nothing to do with breaking ground or with being good. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's now just uh, some sort of... Weird uh, exercise for the writers to exercise power they never had over players who were who we want to live on, and it's uh, to me it's just writers are taking a stance here, and it isn't PEDs. They can they can't even claim it any longer. Well, and real quick too, Van, before you jump in, one thing I thought of as as you were talking, Brian, is when you look at that home run chase with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, and how that captivated the nation and everybody that nobody that watched baseball they tuned in i mean i remember my mom would ask me if mark mcguire yeah, mine too. home runs yeah and so that along with barry bond's chase of that record boy did baseball embrace that to get people in and boy <laughs> did those writers report on it like it was the greatest thing ever and think of all the things that were gained from that and all the attention that put on baseball and you're not going to put a guy like that in shame on you shame on you baseball writers 
And I mean, you guys covered it, and yet I'm still going to talk more about it. So here we go. <laughs> it's fascinating. I have a couple of things to say. Number one, Ortiz is now the Hall of Famer with the lowest percentage of games played spent fielding an actual position. You brought up Edgar Martinez, Brian, yeah. and that is often the one people talk about because Martinez was mostly DH. However, David Ortiz served as designated hitter in 2028 games while playing first base just 278 times. Edgar Martinez had 1,403 games at DH and more than double what Ortiz had in the field at 592. Frank Thomas is the next guy that a lot of people point out in that regard. 971 games at first, so three-plus times more than Ortiz. So for that aspect of it, and the reason I'm bringing up these things is not only is getting in the hall a big deal— being a first ballot Hall of Famer is a big deal. And not necessarily that it should be, but it is. Especially with the circumstances, it isn't anymore. No. You know, and and those Veterans Committee guys who won't vote for a guy because it's night 1920. Yes, that sort of thing too. So on that note, if we're playing by those rules, we're making it in as your in your first ballot is a huge deal. I think there's zero reason he should be in the Hall of Fame, not only for the things I said, which uh, that's just a me personal thing. He wasn't a baseball player. He was a baseball hitter. And I think there is something to that. Does that mean I don't think he should be in the Hall? No, I think he should be in the Hall because he was a great hitter. at his thing, right? Because Mm -hmm. there is – and this is an argument I have internally – because if you don't have a DH in the Hall of Fame, you definitely shouldn't have any relief pitchers. Agreed. And that's that's where it gets dicey. And it's like, no, those are roles. They're just lesser roles. <laughs> yes. So this is all – I wouldn't even bring this up if the first ballot thing weren't a big deal. And it's all I'm going to yeah. freaking hear because I can't stand David Ortiz. Never have been yeah. able to. He played for the team I hated the most. He destroyed the Angels. He – just I do not like David Ortiz. He gets a pass on a steroid thing. He gets a pass for everything because he's nice to the writers. And mm-hmm. he's – I just can't stand him. Anyway, so to continuing on. Along those lines, I want to give you some uh, information here. Ortiz ties for 244th overall in his career for B War, which is War from Baseball Reference, which is which is incredible uh, when yeah, you really think about it. That's good. But let me go ahead and give you a couple of players near Ortiz on this list. Ian Kinsler, 51.1, mm. 54.1 B War. Of course, not in the hall, but certainly has a few more years before that even comes to fruition. A little bit older. We have Crime Dog Fred McGriff. Who was great? He had 52.6 B War, a little bit less than Ortiz. Lance Berkman had 52, not in the hall. Pretty good. Still, Lance Berkman's a piece of crap, so I get why that happens. And then let's go ahead of David Ortiz on the B War list. We have Oral Hershiser, who is not in the Hall of Fame, with 56 B War. We have Johnny Damon, who is not in the Hall of Fame, with 56.3 B War. We have Tim Hudson, who's on the ballot now, but did not make it. As a first ballot, I think a year ago, 57.9% B-War, or not percent. Bobby Abreu, 60.2 B-War, not in the Hall of Fame. Todd Helton, 61.8 B-War. Eligible this year. Abreu was too. Scott Mm -hmm. Rowland's even higher. These guys are not in the Hall. he was not voted in either. So the the first ballot thing drives me nuts. I think Jim Edmonds is even higher than any of those guys. Oh, he's not in either too. Oh, wow. And defensive uh, wizards. This is, of course, as as a Cardinal fan, I'm thinking of those guys, but... I think it's um, Ortiz is a case, and I don't. I'm like you. I don't argue against him being in, but uh, he gets the bulk stat bonus of hitting those little benchmark numbers, like mm-hmm. the 500 home runs and things like that. Don't practically matter, but they're, for instance, the reason why Miguel Cabrera won that MVP over Mike Trout. Yeah, exactly. It's, and we've largely grown past that as baseball fans yeah. and analysts. The well, okay, I I had this thought uh, earlier in the week. 
someone posted on Twitter, I think it was Alex Fast, about pitcher wins. And the 20-plus win pitchers over the last four years, there's like four guys. It's Verlander and Julio Urias last year. That's a great way to take the, you have to have a lot of wins to win the Cy Young out of the the factor. <laughs> it's by just not having anyone win that many games. <laughs> yeah. But we've kind of grown past that sort of thing where these arbitrary numbers aren't as important to the people involved with it. However, you're right with Ortiz, they kind of are. The last point I wanted to make is the same one you guys just made, which is if we're nagging or knocking Bonds and Clemens for PED stuff, then Ortiz shouldn't be a Hall of Fame. Yeah. I just need to reiterate that. He was dinged for a true test. I don't give a crap about any of the PED stuff, so that doesn't bother me. But if you're going to push that narrative, you're doing it wrong. And if you're going to push that narrative also, because let's face it, uh, I think there's another factor at play here, which is there is the whole character clause element of the Hall of Fame, which is if you think a person defamed the sport in some way, you cannot vote for them on that basis. But there are... <laughs> Kennesaw Mountain Ty Cobb Ty is in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Just a ton of violent people, racist, hor- horrible individuals. And um, that, I think, is one reason why you could discount maybe like a borderline guy like Kurt Schilling, who's right on that precipice. Because I-, I feel like that 60-ish war area is your borderline Hall of Fame range. Schilling's actually probably closer to 80. He is um, 79.8 on F-war. Yeah, it, but I mean... Complete dirtbag who publicly has said misleading and terrible things. I think if you want to say that's a negative on baseball, fine. Uh, but if you want to do that for, again, you can't say that for PED use and then vote for Ortiz and not Bonds. Yeah, and then the final thing here. Uh, I just said it, almost 80 war for Schilling. I get it. You can make that argument. It's fine. I probably still think he should be in the Hall of Fame because we should just base it on numbers. I clearly do not like the guy. We don't agree politically and as humans. But uh, then we have Roger Clemens, 133.7. That's the thing I was going to bring up. I mean, he's the last pitcher we'll see do that. Absolutely. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. he should definitely be in. All right. That's enough on that. We've spent enough time discussing it. Uh, let us know what you think about that on Twitter. I'm at Manly Van Lee. Brian is at Lau Guitar Brian. Ron is at The Real Made, M-A-D-A-Y. And of course, our show is at Nasty Cast Pod. Well, it is time to debut a new segment, folks, and it is called Baseball Contest 1990. You can't touch this. Fellow citizens, neighbors, and friends, did you leave that poo-poo? That's right, and Brian, this game is all of your devices, so tell us what we're doing and how we should play it or do it or whatever's happening. Yeah, so basically, as long as I can remember, I've had this kind of orange-ish, reddish book from 1990 called Baseball Contest 1990 by Barry Shapiro, and it covers only National League players. There is an American League counterpart book that I do not own. I believe my dad had it, and I believe it to be the first piece of fantasy uh, media that I ever owned. So that's pretty cool. I'll always keep it. And let me explain to you Baseball Contest 1990 by Barry Shapiro real quick. That's right. Baseball Contest 1990 puts cash in your pocket for picking a championship team. Here's how it works. Study the position-by-position profiles inside this book of all the players who were on a National League roster as of August 31st, 1989. 
Each profile features complete, up-to-date career stats, candid assessments of the player's strengths and weaknesses, and a player rating, five points being the strongest, one point the weakest. So that's kind of the how Barry Shapiro does it. And then he tells you to assemble your team of 24 players with six outfielders, six infielders, two catchers, and ten pitchers. You've got a budget of 75 points. So this yeah. is a game unto itself. This isn't fantasy baseball as we know it. This is no. its own thing. This is its own thing based off rotisserie baseball, which was a little different then. Uh, in that, like, it was four by four primarily. There, you didn't. What category did they get rid of? Uh, there was no whip yet. Oh, okay. Uh, when did whip come around? I don't know, but it's one of those stats that's recent, but you can date it back to forever because it's kindergarten math. Yeah, it's easy you to know, figure out. Yeah, and then. Um, Offensively, I I'm, I struggle to remember what it might have been. It might have been run scored. That was the, uh, the late edition. <laughs> sure, the game's won by scoring points, yeah. but we are, it's not. Well, an it is stat. the stupidest offensive fantasy stat. Maybe, yeah. I think I do think because that. it's dependent almost entirely on the people on getting on you. base. And most leagues mm-hmm. don't even use that as a category, mm-hmm. and that's yeah, the that's more true. important thing. So what we're going to do here today in the game baseball contest 1990, and this will be a recurring segment, is. I will read both of you a player blurb from Baseball Contest 1990. You must guess whether the quote comes from the book's author Barry Shapiro or was made up entirely by me. At the end of the five blurbs, whoever gets the most correct wins, and in the event of a tie, will do a sudden death one-player game of Triple Slash. I'm interested. I like this. And by the way, you sent me and I believe Ron in our group text some quotes from this show from this book rather and they were things like Craig Biggio might have to move off catcher I'm, at some point yeah so. I, I I started sending some of those out and realized I needed to stop because <laughs> some of these are really funny for various reasons so, so that gives you an indication of what's going to come yeah, up from this so I'm going to read the first player blurb and we'll start with you Van after I read it and then Ron and tell me whether you think it's me or Barry okay all right which, by the way, fun fact, you were almost named Barry when you were a child. Yeah, that's, that is absolutely true. Thank you, Brother Bradley. All right. Our first player is Rex Hudler. Oh, crime dog. Infielder. No, wonder dog. That comes wonder up. Dog. Infielder for the Montreal Expos at the time. Rover infielder outfielder Rex Hudler has been nicknamed the wonder dog because he's always yapping. In 1988, Hudler howled at the plate hitting 273, and on the base paths, 29 steals, the first 19 consecutively. But last year, with his playing time reduced, Hudler was a dog with fleas. <laughs> okay, I'm up first, right? Van, did I do that or did Barry do that? Okay, I'm having known Brian Vaughn mm-hmm. for 20-plus years at this point in my life. I can say that I believe this is a Barry statement because I think you would have been more outlandish with some of the ways you described it. Okay. Although that was cute. It was great. I liked it. I still, I'm going Barry on that Cute's one. a big part of Barry's authorship, as we will <laughs> learn. Ron? I believe that's a Brian Vaughn statement. Ooh, differing opinions here. Let's see. Okay. And Van is right. That is a, uh, that is a Barry on Rex Hudler. Bark, bark. I did not know that's, I mean, it may not be, because who's this Barry guy, but... What do you mean? I did not know that Rex Hudler was nicknamed Wonder Dog because he's always yapping. I don't know that we know that's true. (laughs) I mean, he is. He's an announcer now for the Kansas City Royals, and he was for the Angels for many years. My entire childhood, I remember hearing Rex Hudler, and I loved him as an announcer, even though he's terrible at it. But uh, yeah, so okay, I get it. Okay, our next player, Ron, you'll guess first on this one, is Cubs outfielder Andre Dawson. Andre... (laughs) 
Andre Dawson is awesome. He's a man's man, a leader by example, a multi-talented all-star performer who plays as hard as he can through the constant throbbing from his arthritic knees. You'll think I'm too emotional when I say that I like having players on my fantasy team like Dawson who have heart, character, and the will to excel, even though there are no categories for those qualities. Ron, did I make that up or is that Barry? Well, I want to I want to say before that I met Andre Dawson one time, shook his hand. Dude has a bone crushing handshake. I bet he does. Advanced age. So uh, I'm going to say I'm going to go with a Brian Vaughn statement again. All right. And Van. Despite this being the boring choice as far as uh, point scoring, I think that was a Brian. It just had Brian vibes to it. So I'll go with Brian as well. That's full Barry, you guys. No way. Yeah, wow. That's what I'm telling you. This is going to be tougher than you think. He's yeah. ridiculous. Wow. wow. That's okay. what I enjoy about this, this book so far. So, so far, Van 1, Ron 0. Van, you'll start this third player here. Will it be me? Will it be Barry? There's really no way to tell now, right? It's been Barry these first two times. <laughs> We're going to go with John Smiley, starting mm. pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Smiley is my kind of pitcher, the sort of ace who doesn't need a big fastball to be a 20-game winner. His excellent walk numbers, 46 in 205 innings pitched in 1998 or 1988 and 49 in 205 and a third in 1989, show he can paint the corners and his toughness gives him an intangible advantage. If you don't have Smiley on your team, you'll be frowny in 1990. Van is did I do that or did Barry do that? I my instinct tells me it's a Brian, but from what we've heard of Barry, he's capable of anything. Could be Barry, so I'm going Barry. I think it's a, a triplicate. Van's here of going Barry's. Barry, Ron. What do you think? I think the third time's the charm here. I'm going with Brian Vaughn. We're all tied up. I wrote that Ooh. one. John Smiley. So we're tied up with two guys to go. All right, Ron, you're going to start this one out first here. We're going with San Francisco Giants outfielder Kevin Mitchell. Once had a baseball pop off his head over the fence for a home run. Two first names. <laughs> yeah. Not two last names. No last names <laughs> of Kevin anywhere. Nope. A hefty fella with a hefty swing. Kevin Mitchell won his first MVP award last season thanks to a league-leading 47 big flies. Perhaps a change of scenery was good for Mitchell, as his bat was hot enough to end the Cold War once he found himself a member of the Giants before the trade deadline. Very topical in 1990. Ron, did I write that or did Barry write that? I I think just because of the political and and, and the relevance of the the statement there at the end, I'm going to go with a Barry. I think that is Barry all the way. Ron's going Barry. Van, are you going Barry or person almost named Barry? Mm, I'm going to go person almost named Barry and say it's a Brian. Just for you've grins. taken the lead two to one because I did write that and I was really excited to write that Cold War line. <laughs> That's, That's pretty good. good. We'll go to our final player, Ron. You've got a chance to tie. Van, you're actually going to answer first though. We're going with Houston starting pitcher Danny Darwin. Every owner in my fantasy league congratulated me for having the wisdom to obtain Danny Darwin last year. Oh, baby, did he make me look like a genius. Darwin's 11 wins were the equivalent of having another starter, his 7 saves bolstered my bullpen, and his 2.36 ERA and 7.33 winning percentage were outstanding. Van? (laughs) Is that me or Barry? Quoting winning percentage is fascinating to me <laughs> under any scenario. And you guys have to remember, I've been reading a lot of Barry, and I know what he talks like. <laughs> You're in Barry's mind. Yeah. 
Ooh, boy. I will go Brian on this one. Okay, Ron. Uh, I got to go Barry because I got to get a point. And you got that point. Oh, and we tied. are tied at two. Clutch. Going into our... Or wait, did someone get a third one somewhere in there? I think that oh, was you five. You both got it wrong. You both got it wrong at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 2-2, two, two, so we're going to have to go to the tiebreaker round of Triple Slash. Triple Slash. Triple Slash. Triple Slash. What a first game of Baseball Contest 1990 this is, you guys. The player you've gotten is in this book. Let me say that again. The player you get is in this book. It is Tony Gwynn, a very Ooh. famous player. Are the dearly departed Tony Gwynn. Who's up first? And um, let's see. Uh, it'll be Ron first this time because you went first on the last answer of that, man. Mm. You know the first number starts with a three. <laughs> I know it's in <laughs> a three. A <laughs> I definitely know that one. Yeah, we're not quite fours. Um, I'm going to say, man, I should know this too. Um, or I should have an idea. I'm going to say three, uh, 340, 4, 402. Um, it wasn't a big home run guy, though. Four, 475. All right. That's Ron's guess. 330, 402, 475. Did you say 330 or 340? 340. I wrote it 340. down. 340. Okay, thank you. Okay. And Van? I think he's uh, right along the path, although I have one differing opinion. I'm going to say 348. I'll go a little bit higher on batting average. OBP, I don't know how he was at walks. I think based on the fact that he just slapped singles everywhere, that tells me he probably swung a lot. Uh, but I'm not sure off the top of my head. I'll go ahead and stick with kind of what Ron said. I'm going to say 408, just a little bit higher. And then finally, for slugging percentage, I think it's higher than 475. I think he cleared 500, which says a lot because, again, I don't think he was a big home run hitter either, but I think he had a lot of doubles. So let's go 504. All right. Ron, you said 340 for the batting average. Van, you said 348. He was at 338. You both get the point. <sighs> Just got it. On base percentage, he was at 388. You're both a little over, barely. 402 and 408. Slugging, 461 for his career. You're both just a little over, Ron. Oh, we have another player we have to do. Yeah, yeah. So you guys actually tied again. We're just that good, right, Ron? Not just that good. bad at all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but... You know what? This is uh, this is like one of those NFL playoff games, you guys. I mean, it's just going to sudden death over and over again. So on the fly here, we're going to have to come up with another triple slash player, and it is former Phillies catcher Darren Dalton. <laughs> wow. So, Van, you'll go first this time. Oh, I'm sure good. you're thrilled about it. I don't know squat about Darren Dalton, so this is all just Six out of two, the air. 6'2", 195. <laughs> That's something to know. When did he play? Can I ask that? Yes. Darren Dalton played from 85 to 97, and I will let you both know, if you don't know, I know that he made at least one all-star team. <laughs> I would say then, based oh. on where he played, he was in that power outage kind of couple of seasons, so I'm going to go a little lower on the power. But let's say he weighed at least one all-star team likely. Let's say 251, 315. 460. All right, and Ron? I'm going to say 
261, 328, 4, 471. All right. I'm going to let you guys know up top we have a winner. Hooray. After this, after this round. So batting average, Van, you said 251. Ron, you said 261. Is that correct? Well, 261 or 262. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. You're not getting a point. But but Van is. (laughs) Uh, He hit 245 for his career, Taron Dalton. Now, you're both way wrong on OBP. Uh, Van said 315. Ron, you said 328. With a 245 career batting average, Darren Dalton had a 357 career OBP and walked a ton. Whoa, that's a lot of walks, particularly yeah. for a catcher. This is an like, interesting wow. catcher, like as, as I'm looking at him now. Van, you said 460 slugging, Ron 471. It was only 427. So Darren Dalton, big on-base catcher. Van's one point wins it. So a uh, the equivalent of a 19-inning game, Van <laughs> is able to take it home in baseball contest 1990. And much like most 19-inning games, we're both exhausted from the exertion <laughs> of said game. I might post some pictures of Baseball Contest 1990 on Twitter or something. You absolutely should. Definitely check that out. Well, there we go. That was a fun little game. We need to take a quick break here, and when we get back, we'll get into our third base rankings. Nasties. Got a gun. Nasties. Got a gun. Don't just be With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Nasty Cast. I'm Van Lee alongside Brian Vaughn, and it's time to talk third baseman. We'll do this just like we've done the other positions. We'll go down the first so many of them, discussing the individual players, and then at the end of the list, we will discuss our favorite buys, our least favorite buys, best options outside of the top 20, top 40, et cetera, et cetera. But before we do that, let's talk the position as a whole. You mentioned earlier, Ron, that it's not quite as exciting as it once was. What do you think overall of third base, though, from a draft perspective? Do you think you're going to take an early guy, late, mid-tier? How do you overall feel about the position? Honestly, there's uh, – I, I mean, it's not, as, it's not as bad as I kind of alluded to at the beginning with, with, with the name that I gave it. But it's like – I like some guys at the top. Turd base, I believe, was the <laughs> Yeah, to be clear about it, that was the name you gave it. That was the name I gave it. Correct. There's some guys I like at the top of it, but it's like some of the mid-tier guys I really don't like. And if I don't get one of these, maybe I would say first five or six guys off the board, I'm probably going to wait until maybe like around 17, 18, because there's a couple of guys that I like there that I think if as long as they stay healthy could be huge values. But 
Uh, I think if you don't get, you know, if you get stuck with one of those mid-tier guys, it's not the end of the world, but I, I, there's just, I don't know, there's not a lot to be had, at least for me, between like about number 10 and like number 17. So it's definitely not as deep as I think it's been in the past, but just something that I'd, I'd like to get one of the guys at the top, but I'm okay waiting a little bit. I have felt like third base was a really deep position for the past few years, and this is it's actually become one of the weaker ones uh, heading into this season. I feel like, like we talked about with first base, a lot of the player, a lot of the skill players seem to be shifting in to the middle. And third base now, you don't have to go very far before you start finding players with a lot of question marks surrounding what they might do this season. For instance, there are players that appear on our first base and second base preview episodes also who are much higher in the pecking order at third, uh, kind of showing you the position's weakness. And like Ron said, there are certain little segments of this of this position I'm just not interested in. Agreed entirely with that. Obviously, the first third baseman on the board is elite. The, from there, you can find reasons to dislike pretty much everyone for a while until it gets too late where even if you dislike them, it, the cost doesn't matter. Yeah. And what's telling to me was when I was filling out my favorite buys and so on and so forth, my favorite answer was best option outside the top 20, which would be 20 to 40 because we have also have outside the top 40. And that's where I had a lot of guys that I went, okay, I really like this player, this player, and this player. Whereas, you know, choosing from... Po- past the po- top three until the 20th player or something like that, I have a lot of problems with yeah, a lot of the names. It, it's a lot of like younger players who we still need to see more from or guys who had who are on puzzling declines, even if they shouldn't be. It's It's weird. So let's get right into it. I hinted at the number one guy being elite, and that's Jose Ramirez, the top third baseman off the board. And again, these numbers come from Fantrax. It's their ADP. Ramirez is currently going with the fifth overall pick, and actually, I know in NFBC leagues, he is cemented as the third pick. So either way, top five guy. Obviously, last year, a monster season as he tends to put up 36 homers, 111 runs, 103 RBIs, 27 steals, and a 266, 355, 538 slash. Let's go to Brian first on this one. I mean, Ramirez did what Ramirez has done for the last several years. He's now 29 years old, so he's not exactly old. Uh, I guess the big knock would be that he's playing on a really crappy team, but what do you think about taking him as the fifth player off the board and as a third baseman? Yeah, I I can't argue with taking Ramirez almost anywhere. Uh, He's so good. And in, in fantasy, he somehow plays up to be as good as he is in real life because of the stolen bases. And again, like you said, Van, he's only 29. He's right in the middle of his prime. He's been one of the most valuable players in fantasy for five or six years now. As sure of a bet for 30-30 as anybody, like his probability is probably as high as anyone's. And I actually think, and I've thought this for a while, though, that because he rarely strikes out, I, I feel like there are higher batting average seasons that could happen. I'm not saying they will, but if he hit 280 or 290, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, he he strikes out at a better than average rate, draws a bunch of walks. You alluded to the uh, the Cleveland lineup being bad, which is true, but more and more we're finding the minimal effects statistically of lineup protection, particularly in these elite players. It just isn't going to matter that much. I mean, maybe he drives in a hundred instead of a hundred and ten, but ultimately, yeah. I mean, I think this is kind of as safe of a mid first round pick as you can make. Yeah, it's a guy that you're going to get 
production in every category. That's why he's going with the pick that he's going with. And not a lot more to add to that. But one thing that sticks out about Jose Ramirez to me is the fact that since 2016, he's had four seasons where he's had 600-plus plate appearances. And in the 2019 season, when he played 129 games, still had 542. In the COVID season, he played 58 out of 60 games. So you know that based on the track record that you see on his stat page, when you're spending that fifth or sixth pick or even third pick, like you said, Van, you know it's a guy that you can count on that's going to play every day and that's going to fill that stat sheet. And, you know, like Brian, you said he doesn't strike out a ton. I love the fact that you're getting, you know, we, we talked about how runs is kind of a stupid stat. But yet again, I like guys that you get 100 runs and 100 RBIs from, and then you add on the homers and the steals. It's just he does everything, and he totally justifies being a top five player off the board. I was looking into the top so many just to see what the difference is between Fantrax and NFBC, and it's negligible. It's two picks, but I was curious as to what it would be. And what it is, I'll, I'll give you the top five picks in both platforms. Top five on Fantrax are Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Trey Turner, Vlad Jr., Jose Ramirez. And then over on NFBC, we have Trey Turner, Tatis Jr., Jose Ramirez, Juan Soto, Bo Bichette. So what I can see is that obviously stolen bases are valued a little bit more on NFBC. And I do think that that is something that should be the case across the board. And I do think that that's the knock on Guerrero and Soto. So I am interested. Yeah. I do find it interesting that Soto and Guerrero are both higher than uh, Jose Ramirez because, I mean, I, the argument would be Guerrero's only done it for one year. And Soto, obviously, we saw what could happen in a bad way at the beginning of last year, whereas Ramirez has never been bad. There are a couple of factors at play here. I think one of them, I think, is that Jose Ramirez, essentially since his first breakout year, has been seen as boring mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah. I, do, I, I guess because he um, wasn't a prospect when he did it. He was already an established player who broke out. Um, and those players don't garner quite the same love. And secondly, I do wonder if Fantrax, because it's kind of become the the uh, premier dynasty league home, if those ADPs take that into consideration, and that's why uh, Ramirez or Trey Turner might be bumped back further being a little older. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think about that for sure. I think if you're doing a redraft league, though, oh, I think yeah, Ramirez yeah. needs to be in the top three. No I would why. take Ramirez over yeah, the stolen bases and the consistency – uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would take him over over Vlad, I think. Anyway, he's awesome. That's yeah. the, the short of it all. So let's move on to the next guy on the list. It's Rafael Devers, now going with pick 19, the second third baseman off the board. Devers last year did the thing he did a couple of years ago, which was be awesome. 664 plate appearances, 38 home runs, 5 steals, 279, 352, 538. I'll go first on this one. What I want to say is that a big knock I had on Devers after 2019 was that it seems like he has to be an accumulator. He has to get to 700-plus plate appearances like he did that year, 702, to achieve those lofty numbers. Well, he didn't last year. He just needed 664, which is a full season, but not that accumulator season. Like Francisco Lindor yeah. used to have to get to 700 to have his numbers. I think part of this, too, is not us not realizing like when he did that, he was 22. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> so, point. So, yeah, he's, he actually had room to grow somehow, might still. Now 25 years old. So I buy it. I think he's great at it. Uh, obviously, you're not going to get a ton of stolen bases. He had five last year and was caught five times. So that may turn into zero and zero. 
We don't know. But overall, yeah, this is your second round pick. Maybe you went with a speedster in the first round, or maybe you went with a pitcher in the first round, and you just need some really solid performance. It's great. I like Devers here at this spot. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I, this is a, a solid pick because he is a four-category contributor. I the What he did last year, I could see that becoming what he does for a lot of years, like something in that 280, 35 homers, 100-100 range. I mean, he's just going to be a middle-of-the-order contributor going forward. Uh, a couple of really nitpicky things about him. As Van said, he's not going to run, but second-round pick, you don't necessarily need that anyway. The other one being, I don't necessarily, if you're in an OBP league, I don't think he plays up quite as well there. I don't think he's ever going to necessarily be like a 400 OBP type of player, but I don't really care either because he just hits the ball. Yeah, and, when, and like you said, Van, when you're looking at him at, at pick 19, pick 20, you probably already got somebody that's going to contribute in the steals category or you're hopefully going to be able to get somebody in the next couple of picks. But there's really not a lot that you don't like here. I mean, he did have the, the 310 OBP in the COVID season, but you know the, the, the seasons before and after, 361 and 352. So I'm not as leery about him there as, as Brian might be. And the slugging is, is over 500 those two years as well. He's given you stuff across the board, and I was I was shocked. Even though he hasn't been around for a while, I was still kind of shocked to, to see that he is 25 years old. If you have him in a dynasty league, especially, oh, man. you are set. You are set at that, at that position for a very very long time. And like we talked about, that's one of the weaker positions. So if you were able to get him and, and have him, uh, you probably got to still another good 10 years of production um, out of him. But I, I like Devers a lot at this pick. I think it's really good value around pick 20. I guess the one thing I forgot to mention is he dealt with elbow soreness or inflammation in the playoffs, and it caused some big issues. It did not require surgery. By all accounts, he's fine. That might make you a little cautious. And honestly, like I said, I'm totally fine with him being drafted that slot. Looking around that slot, I don't see myself drafting him ever, just because there are other players I like, but I have no qualms with anyone who might. Oh, yeah. I I think, oh, man, he's just a really good player who— I think is another example of why, uh, and this doesn't really necessarily apply now, but everyone should have thrown out the COVID year when it comes to players we know are good, mm-hmm. and a lot of people didn't. <laughs> okay, moving on, we have our third third baseman off the board. Ten picks later at pick 29 overall, it's Macho Man himself, Manny Machado. Machado now with the Padres last year, 640 plate appearances, 28 home runs, 92 runs, 106 RBI, 12 steals, and a 278, 347, 489 slash. We're dealing with the back half of the second round here in a 15-team league, early third for a 12-team league. Uh, Machado obviously didn't put up the gaudy numbers that, say, Devers did, but still very good across the board. Are you buying it, Ron, or are you still skeptical because he's had a few years where he would struggle in one way or another? I'm not skeptical at all. I mean, when you when you go through his – the only thing that really has varied a lot in his career is the batting average has been a little bit off a few seasons. You know, he had that one where uh, the last season in Baltimore, 259. He had 256 his first year in San Diego, his first full season there. So. I think it's something where you can pencil him in, I think, for, for 30 homers, 100 RBIs. He even stole you 12 bases last year, so that's something that we hadn't seen out of him in a couple of years, and that's something we had, we've had we only seen the double-digit steals three times out of his out of all the seasons in his career. So if he can still contribute in that way, he is still only 29 years old. I have no problem picking him here. He, he walks nearly 10% of the time. He doesn't strike out. He, he, he gives you a solid average, solid OBP. 
And, and, and like we keep saying, at a shallow position where you get somebody that's going to contribute across the board, where he's even going to contribute at pick 30 with potential double-digit double steals, I, I, I like him here. I'm fine with it. Totally with you on that, Ron. I'm always a Machado apologist in a sense in that he's always so good, even if, uh, and you guys both alluded to it, he's had years where he took a batting average hit, he's had years where he didn't run at all, but no matter what, I think if you took him wherever his ADP was, you'd be fine with it because he's going to always give you the power numbers and fill the stat sheet to some degree. I really like him. I think something in that 270, 30 homer, 10 steal range is what you're going to get for the next few years of his prime. I think he's a really safe pick. Uh, I think all the guys we've talked about so far are safe. After this, it, it becomes a little more questionable. But with Machado, uh, I I think he almost sometimes, like, we've got him, he's at 29 in ADP, and I wouldn't be surprised if he even fell a little bit from that. Uh, maybe this is just me, but I've seen that the last couple of years in drafts with Machado. Uh, it probably depends on who's going around him. But uh, he's a future Hall of Famer also. Uh, I, I sometimes forget how awesome he is. And then some situation like this comes up where I have to look at his stats and I'm really impressed every time. Yeah, he's great. He's also 29 years old. He's still young. The Padres are still an up and coming team, despite the fact that they utterly collapsed and really struggled in a lot of ways last year. So I do think it's a great choice. What's interesting to me is from a 15 team league perspective, you're looking at whoever picked with the first or second pick getting this guy. And that's weird to me because traditionally you're either going to need a ton of steals if you've taken Soto or Guerrero, yeah. or you want a ton of power because you've taken Turner or um, Tatis. Maybe not so much Tatis. Yeah, you could go. You could go Tatis Machado back to back. Yeah, Padre I think that makes up, a sense. And you'd be sitting on a lot of homers and steals. Potentially. Yeah, I think that's probably the way this happened because otherwise it's it kind of looks wonky. But that's just a team perspective thing, and not a bad team perspective. Don't get me wrong. I still like him here, and I agree with you. I think he could slip a little bit. Yeah, Machado's also, we talked about this before, he's one of those guys you can take no matter roster construction, I think, because of how even a contributor he is. For sure, yeah. All right, so number four on this list, we'll see how you like this next guy. It's Austin Riley. He is drafted at 52nd overall, so we're looking at 20-plus picks after Manny Machado, and Riley with the Braves last year put it all together. He ended up with 662 plate appearances, 33 home runs, 91 runs, 107 RBI, and a 303, 367, 531 slash. So those numbers, minus the steals, look a hell of a lot better than Machado's even. However, again, less steals, but do you buy it? I mean, this is a guy that no one expected to hit anywhere near 300, but he did. Can he repeat it that, Brian? Overall, what do you see out of this right here? Yeah, this is twofold because I um, was probably like the, which is funny because I actually have him in both my dynasty leagues, but I was like the low person that I knew on him probably coming out of the minors. And uh, man, he has turned it around. Riley put in very publicly, there, there's a lot of really good articles about the subject, but a lot of work with coaches last year. He understood like I'm, a sim I'm essentially like an empty homer guy if I don't do something here. And um, this is why he was a top prospect, is he can learn and adjust like that. He has the athleticism to do it. And I don't think he's hitting 303 again, because, I mean, he had a 368 BABIP, but he also is hitting the ball a lot harder, and I expect him to carry a fairly high BABIP. I think something in the, uh, like what his projections are looking like, like 260, 270, but with, with the mid-30s homers, and the runs in RBI. I mean, he's turned into a guy who I think can 
really churn out power numbers at a position where it's not as easy to find anymore. And the other thing that's kind of uh, intangible here is that 24 already having made that many adjustments that quickly, that makes me more optimistic for what his prime looks like too. So I think he is a really good player. I don't know if I take him here because I'm so, I'm going, my game plan entering this year is to be very risk averse for the first five rounds or so, more than even normal. But uh, at 52, I, I think that's probably pretty fair. And um, I wouldn't fault anyone for doing it, especially if, if you see growth there. For, yeah, for all the reasons that you said, I can't really fault anybody there at that spot. The only, it, it, I approach it with a little bit of caution, though, and I'm not saying that I don't think Austin Riley can't be something similar or even what he was last year. It's just it's a little bit alarming when you see such big jumps in all of those categories. You see the the BABIP jump from from 280, 293, all the way up to 368. The the batting average jump, you know, 63, 64 points. The OBP jumped 66 points. So when you see all that happen, I think you got to be a little cautious. And and like I said, at age 24, I'm not saying he can't make a career of this. I just would feel a little more comfortable if I see something similar this next season. Then I can fully buy into it. I can fully, you know, say that I think that he's going to be that. He did play in 160 games last year, so he was definitely durable. He was definitely there. I mean, we know the power is there, so I think the 30 home runs is a lock. I think that the runs and RBIs are a lock as well. But it's just the rest of those stats, especially that slash line, I, I want to see more of that before I fully buy in. But like I said, I can't really fault anybody. You know, if you've constructed a roster here where you want to try to replicate that that production, uh, I mean, it's very possible he could do it again. So at 52, I'm okay with it. I don't know if I'm going to necessarily do it, but I see why people would. I don't really like him at this spot, and I'll tell you exactly why. I definitely don't buy the batting average. I, I don't think he's a 230 hitter, but I do think the projection systems kind of have it yeah, right here. I, I really feel like they take the luck out of it. Mm -hmm. Bat X has 265, the bat 273, 271, 274 for ATC and Steamer. Right around there is fine. I, I definitely buy that. I think he's a 30 home run threat. I don't think he has elite power though i don't think there's a chance he gets to 50 it's just not something i buy and four picks later is pete alonso and i understand that they're different positions first base versus yeah. third base but alonso has a chance to hit 50 home runs yes and he's one of the few guys who like if you, you can reasonably say that mm -hmm. <laughs> and i mean he's he's not gonna hit 300 either but he's gonna hit 260 yeah so it's the same same player at that point but with more power for pete alonso so I will pass. I don't fault too many people for liking him there, but I don't know. I, I probably wouldn't take either one of them at this spot in the draft. But uh, Worth noting, just really quickly also, if you're in a league with 10-game eligibility, Riley also does qualify at first. That's true, yes. Uh, and there's always a chance he winds up playing outfield again, too. He, he played, played a game last year. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that's another thing to monitor that could could make this pick more worth it, in a sense. But yeah, I think, I think we're all kind of a, a consensus that we... Believe the breakout, we still don't know if that makes him like a fourth-round guy. Right. All right, moving on, the fifth third baseman off the board is Alex Bregman, and he's going 12 picks later at pick 64 overall. Bregman was a guy that I was all over last Man. year. Then he got hurt, and it just never quite happened. 400 plate appearances, 12 homers, 54 runs, 55 RBI, one stolen base, and a 270, 355, 422 slash line. So obviously the power was way, way down 
projection systems say, let's see, 260 to 270 average, 20 to 3 to 27 home runs, and a couple of steals. So I think the steals are done, Ron. We're probably not going to see those really ever return from those double-digit numbers a few years ago. But overall, do you like Bregman at this slot? I do. I've been a Bregman guy for, for a very long time, and I think I agree with you on the steals. Maybe we see about five from there, but I don't think we see the double digits anymore. And based on the walk rate and the K rate, you know that the slash line is always going to be solid with him, so I think you'll get that locked in. It's just a matter of that health. We want to see him healthy. I mean, in 91 games, the, the numbers are kind of on par with what you'd expect from a guy there. But I think if he plays you know, 140, 150 games, you're getting 25 homers, you're getting 90 runs, 90 RBIs, and you're getting a solid slash line. So if you don't feel comfortable with the the breakout with with Austin Riley doing what he did again, uh, we've seen a little bit more out of, out of Bregman in that regard where I think I trusted a little bit more. However, you know, the, the stolen bases or the lack thereof really kind of really does hurt him a little bit. But I'm, I'm fine if you want to wait 12 picks and get a guy – it's it's going to be I, – I think that you're not obviously going to get the power numbers you're going to get from Riley, but I think that what you'll get with Bregman as far as OBP and average, if Riley takes a dip there, I think it's going to kind of make everything even. So depending on how – yet again, all on roster construction, but I think when you get to this point, I think I, – I don't really think I can argue with maybe like the first six guys on this list where you take them. For me on Bregman, um, I can't really argue with taking him at this spot necessarily because of – what the upside remains. I've always been really high on him like as a prospect after that, all of it. I like Van. I really, really had a lot of hopes for him last year, but now we're looking at, it's been a few years since Bregman has run it all. So as we, you guys talked about, we can't really count on that. It's also been a couple years and 600 plate appearances since he showed middle of the order power, which to me is the more concerning element uh, if he doesn't have that, the, he hit 41 homers in 2019. If he doesn't have that, if we're looking at a middling batting average guy who, with like, you know, 20 homer power, I, I don't think that's worth this pick if he's not running. And I'm afraid that that's what the project, the projection is kind of going to be what he is if his swing is no longer geared to get that sort of loft. That said, now that I've complained about him, he offers first round upside if he puts it all back together again. He's only 27. So I get making this pick even if I'm cautious. That's definitely why he's at this slot. That said, I don't really buy it. If he were still able to steal double-digit bases... It makes it safer. It, it would be way safer, and I'd be like, okay, even the if the power doesn't return... The same with an OBP league. If it's an OBP league, he will walk oh yeah, a lot. He definitely will. But otherwise, uh, there's just no... There were probably no scenario where I would take him here. And like I said, they're just players like a little bit better later on in the draft. So no thank you at this spot, but I get it. I totally get it. All right, let's see. Next up, the sixth third baseman off the board. This one's notable to Brian Vaughn because he is a St. Louis Cardinal. He is the 71st player off the board overall. It's Nolan Arenado. And we may be a few years from the glory days of his Colorado run, but he still did what he pretty much does. 653 plate appearances in 2021, 34 homers, 81 runs, 105 RBI, two steals, and a 255, 312, 494 slash. So he's proved that he can still be plenty valuable outside of Coors, Brian. What do you think about him as your third baseman at 71 overall? I I like this. I, I think with Arenado, it's become a case of, well, he's not what he was before, and he sure isn't, uh, 312 OBP and all. But this is sort of best case for him getting out of cores in his early 30s. Uh, the power stayed. 
And I think there's room for batting average growth there, uh, looking at the peripherals. Not a lot or anything, but if he hit 270 with those same numbers and, and some boosted counting stats, I wouldn't be shocked either. He's still 31. He has a few more years of this kind of production left, I'd say. He also, he, he's healthy a lot. I mean, he's going to play games. He's an excellent defender. He's going to be in there every day. And uh, compared to Riley and Bregman going 10 or 20 picks before him, I think he's a much safer option. And I sort of think from a fantasy perspective, w- unless you see something I don't, why for this year would you take Riley over Arenado? That's that's a similar skill set. That's 100% exactly what I was going to say. I mean, 34 home runs for 30 to 35 for Arenado, 30 to 35 for Riley. Yeah. 260 batting average, 250 to 260 average for Arenado. What is Riley going to have? I doubt he hits three. And I feel like that's the floor for Arenado's batting average. Whereas Riley, if he did, something went wrong, he got a hitch in his swing and he hit 240, I'm not shocked. Right, yeah. So I definitely agree with that. However, to that point, looking at uh, just the people going around here, I see myself in most drafts going after pitchers. Yeah, I think this is if you waited on third base. Yeah, that's true. Because this could, like if you... If you took a couple aces early and Arenado winds up your third baseman in the sixth or seventh, you're probably fine with that. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. And we're going to alternate you guys talking about players so we can get through a few more of them. So we'll skip ahead to the next player. It is the seventh third baseman off the board, and he's more or less a shortstop, but has third base eligibility. It's Adalberto Mondesi of the Kansas City Royals, 77th overall pick. What do you think, Ron? Is this the year? Do you <laughs> finally buy in and it has a top 100 player? Well, listen, I mean, 291. 294, 271 (laughs) over the last three seasons. That's pretty solid, right? No, it's not because that's his OBP, not his batting average. Wait, did you just say the same number three times? (laughs) Uh, I said three really terrible numbers (laughs) in in that sequence. That is his OBP. Yet again, I cannot stress that enough. The guy walks 4% of the time. He strikes out 30% of the time. If you're not on base, you cannot steal bases. It's not hard. It's not hard to figure it out. I'm not taking this guy. I know it's tempting because you have that potential to get 40 steals there. Maybe 20 homers are in that bat. I don't know, but based on everything I have just told you, plus the guy's hurt a lot. He doesn't play, you know, he's only had one season where he's played over 100 games. You're not getting, you have no idea how many plate appearances you're going to get out of him. And for a guy that I'm going to spend a pick uh, inside the top 100, uh, I'd like to get some playing time out of him. So I think I'm at a spot where if I'm going to take a risk on a guy, it's definitely not going to be him. No, thank you. If you want to draft in my league, uh, you're more than happy to have him. I'm not going to take him as my shortstop, as my third baseman, as anything on my team. What I want to highlight here is the person who takes Mondesi at this point in the draft is sitting there watching players get taken and says, I want to lock up my my steals so I don't have to deal with it. The problem with that mentality is, is if Mondesi gets hurt like he was last year, you have no steals if you instead just draft, you know, two steal, stolen base players, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And that will kill you. You cannot win a league doing that. So the other side of that is you continue drafting steals, but maybe that hurts you in power or maybe it hurts you in batting average, whatever it may be. And Mondesi has a full season. And he steals his 40 bases, but guess what? He hits 230. He's going to crush your any kind of rate stat like it's, that. And the, one of the worst things, too, is, uh, all right, quiz, gentlemen. How many games, even though it was just a, a short season, what, 30, 40 games or whatever for him last year, how many games do you think he batted in the top third of the order? 
It's the Royals, so you never know. But I'm going to guess they're smart enough to for that to be zero. <laughs> Ron? Uh, it's not going to be very many because you would think that his numbers would be better if it was. It is zero because he started one game batting cleanup for some reason. Everything else was sixth, seventh, eighth. They have come out and and basically towed around talking about Mondesi, the manager, the team. They do not think he is a worthy he can't hit. shortstop baseball player. So <laughs> from fantasy, I get it. You want those stolen bases, but he can't hit. Yeah. In real-life baseball, if the Royals had anything resembling a useful option, he would be on the bench or as a pinch runner. I will go so far as to say if he wasn't the kind of player who had empty home runs, turn half those homers into doubles, no one cares about him. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I, so. I think it's just the the raw steal numbers, but I mean, it. It he is a true one-category guy for the most part. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, like I said, if you're just drafting in that regard, you're going to hurt yourself every other place. So move along. Don't do it. Let's move along to the next player that's on this list. That's in the seventh round, too. I know. It's crazy. And remember when he was like fourth yeah. round last year? So let's see. Eighth third baseman off the board at 95 overall. It's Chris Bryant. We kind of touched on him, I believe, last week at first base. Uh, Brian, this is to you. Overall, just be short, what do you think of Bryant as a third baseman at this spot? Yeah, and we covered him. I'm not thrilled about Bryant. I've got a lot of question marks. I don't think he's a middle-of-the-order guy any longer. Um, I think the 10 steals are nice if you get something like that, like the 20 homers, 10 steals. So I think he could wind up putting up the same numbers of Bregman if Bregman doesn't bounce back at a much cheaper price. Uh, I like the idea of him playing both corner positions, but Ultimately, he's just a player I'm kind of out on. And that's totally fair. Yeah, I I like him. I think he's overall pretty solid, but I totally get it if it doesn't fit your team construction at this point. And it's not a player you're excited to draft at this slot for sure. And we're still inside the top 100. Yeah, we are. All right, next up, we have the ninth third baseman off the board. He's near and dear to my heart. I pick 111 overall, Anthony Rendon. Rendon, of course, had pretty darn good career. Up until last year, where he ruined his career. No, where he <laughs> obviously didn't play. He got hurt and only put up 249 plate appearances and was clearly hurt during those 249 yeah. plate appearances. Just six home runs, no steals, 240, 329, 382. Ron, before this, Rendon was a beacon of consistency. He, he walked a ton. He had 400-plus OBPs. He would hit nearly 300. He had power. He had a tiny bit of speed. What do you think? Can he bounce back this year, and is this a good pick? I, I think so, and I think if all indications are that he is healthy, I love this pick. I think this is is excellent value here for him for a guy that you know you 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 sang all his praises before. He's a guy that was a very very high pick uh, leading up to you know the last few years, and you know like you said, wasn't healthy last season. Clearly was not healthy when he was even in the, in the lineup. I, I think at pick one eleven, I, I think this is probably one of my favorite picks at this position because of the potential upside here because you're getting to a point where, you know, like you said, Brian, you're looking at these guys that are ultra, you know, ultra consistent, ultra safe for the first few rounds. Here's where you can maybe take a a risk on a couple of guys. And I think these, these kind of picks are league winners. And I think that if you can get him at pick 111 and you can throw him into this spot and he can match, you know, let's say for example, if he can match even what he did, you know, in 2018, you know, 25 homers, basically 90 and 90, 308, 374, 535, and he doesn't strike out. We know all of that. I I think this is a great pick, but it just depends upon what he looks like in the spring and if it looks like he's healthy, which all indicators were when he went out with that hip injury that it looked like he was expecting to be ready to go for spring training. So we'll see. 
but I, I definitely love him here at pick 111. And I believe he did have surgery to correct it, but the last mm-hmm. note on fan graphs is that he expects to be ready for the start of spring training next year, and this was in November, so maybe not super confident, but seems confident. Yeah, spring training is going to be in July. He'll well, be ready. Yeah, there's that, too. I, so. <laughs> I'm, so I'm. this was the player I was most interested to hear what you guys said about, I think, because I'm with you, Ron. He was, a year ago, I would have definitely said one of the best hitters in baseball, and he was hurt mm-hmm. last year. Well, I kind of, you know, my initial thought was to say that Okay, maybe in returning from the injury, the power isn't quite the 34 home run rate he had in 2019. So if he's a 25 home run hitter, and maybe he doesn't steal at all, or maybe he steals five bases, whatever it may be, I do feel confident that no matter what, he'll walk a lot, and he'll hit for a good average. So that's there. That's the baseline. Yeah. Everything else, maybe a little questionable. I initially, my first gut reaction was like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't think so. But if I look at pick 111 and some of the players around there— I am not excited about hardly any of them. It's guys like Joey Gallo and, uh, let's see, Edwin Diaz as a closer, Jared Kelnick, who I, I have a lot of problems with, but I do think could be valuable in a few years. Rendon could turn in like third round value if he if he bounces back, third or fourth. Yes, and so I, I think I've kind of convinced myself that I do like Anthony Rendon here. I think he'll be a great pickup. And again, maybe the power is not quite what it once was, but overall, I am confident batting average, OBP will be there. Maybe he doesn't play as many games as he traditionally does, but I still think it's going to be good. And he's going to bat right behind Mike Trout. So that's a good place. And Otani. Just real quick, the projection systems seem to think something like a 270, 350, 470, 20, 25 homers, what he used to be before he became like a star hitter. Yeah, I I think it's much better. I think it's better than that. But if it's not, I just described kind of what you could reasonably, again, expect out of Bregman or Bryant or someone way earlier if they don't bounce back. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, let's see here. One more player in the top 10. It is DJ LeMahieu, the 10th best third baseman or ranked third baseman. And he's going to pick 131 overall. We've talked DJ LeMahieu, I yeah. think, for the last 18 straight weeks, something yeah. like that. So we don't really have to talk on him. Just uh, what do you think is a third baseman? Yes or no, Ron? No. Brian? Nope. Uh, prefer him as a second baseman, <laughs> but eh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I think I'd rather have Rendon for sure. Yeah. Okay. Again, we're running low on time here, so let's start lumping a couple of players together. Let's do them in threes. You can talk about individual players if you would like, but we're going to talk the next three guys. We have the 11th third baseman, Yohan Moncada. 12th is Matt Chapman, and 13th is Cabrian Hayes. They are going with picks 136, 155, 161 overall. So, Brian, you're typing furious away, furiously away looking at your numbers and notes. But hopefully I've stalled enough for you. Oh, what you do you have. think of these three guys? Does anyone want to stand out to you? So, oh man. So I'm worried about Chapman, whose approach kind of fell off a cliff and now he strikes out all the time. Uh, lots of trade rumors though, and he'd benefit from it getting out of Oakland. He'll play because he's an incredible third baseman. But uh, I'm not taking him at 155 because the big draw with him has always been low, low average power. And I can find that for cheaper and better. Moncada is a guy who I always think will do all of it in the same year. I don't know that I believe that anymore. He's 26 and he's a honestly a hell of a real player, but for fantasy purposes, the power and speed it just don't seem to be there. His one good batting average here was Babip driven. He walks a lot and plays good defense. That doesn't really help us. Uh weirdly the most intriguing one to me even though I probably won't have him is Hayes. Because he battled some injuries last year in his first full season and wasn't very good, but his prospect profile still shows a guy and his first hundred plate appearances of being called up who can kind of do a little bit of everything. 
including maybe sneakily get you double-digit steals uh, if he's getting on base more. But, again, I probably won't draft any of these guys. Yeah, to be honest, if I'm looking at the third baseman here, I'm going to wait a little bit and go with the guy later on. But if I had to have one of the three, I think I would go with the upside of Brian Hayes for all the reasons you said, Brian. Uh, you know, I would I would go with Key Brian Hayes under the recommendation of Key Brian Vaughn. Uh, <laughs> but he does like you said, he does a little bit potential for double digit steals at your third base spot. And I, I you know, a, a high you know top prospect, a guy that I think is very very affordable here. I would definitely throw a dart at him. Not really uh, super hyped up about anybody. And I, I'm with you, uh, Brian, as well on Matt Chapman. If he gets traded, I think I would be a little more interested depending on where he goes. Uh, I don't want any of these guys for a couple different reasons. Moncada, because it's absurd to me that he's still being drafted this high. You're still drafting him on potential that he hasn't achieved in, what, six years now in the majors? He hit 14 home runs and 616 plate appearances, only stole three bases, 263, 375, 412. The slash line's okay. He had no fantasy valuable stats, and there is no, no indication that they should be better. You just described Enrique Hernandez a few years ago. Which you're getting 200 pick, 50 and, picks And later. kind of the same thing, like oh, a guy who we're always like, man, he's a really good player, but you don't need to draft him. Yep. Uh, Chapman, uh, I don't buy the old Chapman seasons. I think he's probably not a good hitter as far as average goes. He'll still walk a reasonable amount, but if you're hitting 220, you're only going to get on base 350. You, you need like Yasmani Grandal walk rates if you're going to hit 220. And maybe he has some power, but not that much power. And then the only one, I like Cabrian Hayes, and I think if not for one very distinct factor, I might end up, end up with him in a few drafts. That distinct factor being wrist. He had wrist issues all last mm-hmm. season. He was scheduled to see a hand specialist back in October, and there was talk of maybe he should have surgery, maybe he shouldn't. There has been zero news since then. Maybe no news is good news, but I don't think it's good news. I think he's hurt. I don't think he's healthy. And until I see him swing a bat, I'm not interested in him. And obviously, who knows what that's going to be. Yeah. So I think you should just pass because the upside is he plays good for the Pirates and has no runs, no RBI, and just struggles overall with the counting stats because he's on the Pirates. So no thanks. I'll pass there. Next grouping of three we have here, we have Jake, or no, Justin Turner, wrong Turner. Jake Turner doesn't even exist. That's how amazing that is. <laughs> Justin Turner, the 14th third baseman at pick 181. Ryan McMahon, no chance in hell himself at 185, four picks later. And then Luis Urias going three picks after that at pick 188. Let's go to Ron first. Of these three guys, do any of them stand out to you? Uh, No, I'm not a Turner guy. I, I still can't get over the fact of Justin Turner that he looks like Gwildor from the 80s He-Man movie starring <laughs> Dolph Lundgren. Cannot get past that, so I cannot draft him for that reason. I'm surprised you um, wouldn't have some I, solidarity with the, the redness hey, and all. I, I do, I do love that movie. It is one of my favorite <laughs> bad movies of all time. Uh, it, but nonetheless, I'm not taking any of these guys. I'm going to wait yet again. Ryan McMahon's kind of intriguing with the three the three position eligibility, but yet again, for a guy that hits in cores, his numbers are super super boring. You might get 25 homers if he gets 600 plate appearances. I don't know. Um, I'm probably not taking any one of these three guys again. I'm going to wait maybe till the next three to take one of those three guys. Yeah, same here. I don't really want to wind up with any of these guys. Um, uh, Urias, I like for being eligible a couple places, and I think I don't see a lot of upside 
kind of a 270-20 homer guy. Same with McMahon, as Ron said, very boring in cores, which brings me to this weird point is if I have to have one of these three guys, I still want old-ass Justin Turner because he's good. I mean, he he's not exciting, but that kind of 280-25 homer thing, he's just going to do that. And at pick 180, that's fine. I'm not going to wind up with them. But if I have to advocate for one of these three guys. I do like Luis Urias, and I believe I mentioned on the past shows. I don't necessarily like him as a third baseman. Yeah. I think second base, but either way. At first, too, honestly. Maybe it's first. But either way, I, I do see upside and power. I think he could be a 30-home run hitter this season if he if he doesn't get hurt and plays the full season. He walks a lot. Maybe the batting average isn't. 300 like we once thought it might be when he was a prospect but overall I do like Urias and he's the guy I would like of these three to your point though Brian Justin Turner is as consistent as they come and I think if you need a safe 550 to 600 plate appearances with okay power and good runs and RBI fine it's right here you can find it although I think I think on NFBC drafts he's going like 40 picks later and it's a lot more palatable there. At this spot, it's just almost a little too high. Or it is yeah, too high. and you have to think in NFBC it's because he's old. Yeah, very much so. The, the injury risk has to go up at some point. Let's do one more grouping of three, and then we'll answer who we like the most. And we have 17, the 17th third baseman. It's Eugenio Suarez, 200. This is o, uh, not OBP, although batting it's average. his batting average. Yeah. I was close. 200 is his ADP. We have Josh Donaldson, the 18th third baseman, at 228. And finally, Eduardo Escobar, the 19th third baseman at 235. Let's go to you first, Brian. What do you think of these three guys? Anyone stand out? Oh, boy. So Suarez, I think we all liked a little last year because he was going to get that shortstop eligibility, and we we saw a little bit of a rebound from 2020, but he has not fixed his contact woes. I'm sure there's an adjustment that could be made, but if I just need 25 or 30 home runs, there are every other way to get them is better than this way. Uh, he's... <laughs> Probably a batting average liability regardless, and I don't want to bet on a rebound. The guy I really like here, weirdly, is 36-year-old Josh Donaldson at 228, who, I mean, he's going to give you some middle-of-the-order type stats, like 25, 30 homers, you know, 80, 90 runs in RBI. He's been healthy for a little while now. He's kind of boring now, and he's not in his prime, but at 228, that is a pretty pretty reasonable pick for Donaldson. Yeah, I'm I'm not as down on Eugenio Suarez as you are, Brian. I don't know if I bet on the bounce back either, but I definitely don't think he's a 200 hitter. And you're getting 30 home runs at this spot as well. So yet again, you're, hopefully you've constructed your roster to where if he does hit 200 and he does give you those homers, you can withstand it. I also like Josh Donaldson a lot here too. You're basically getting him for next to nothing. And there's potential here for 30 homers if he plays 150 games, which isn't out of the realm of possibility. Did it a couple of years ago, played in 135 last year and hit 26. The average is going to be around 250. OBP is going to be in the 350 to 360 range. There's a ton to like here at pick 228. So I think he's probably, of anybody inside the top 20, based on where you're getting him, I think Josh Donaldson is probably one of my favorite picks here. So what's interesting is, and I keep citing NFBC, partly because... On the Launch Angle podcast, that's how we go through ADP. We discuss it. So I've been talking I think it's about really players. good to also compare and contrast the fan tracks, which is a more accessible format in a sense. Too, right. Oh, yeah, for sure. With NFBC. So one thing that surprised the hell out of me when I was looking at this is Eugenio Suarez, because I just discussed him on the NFBC Everybody on loves the Launch him. Angle podcast. He was like <laughs> 30, 40 picks later. 
And that, I, I actually kind of like him a little bit there because I yeah. think if you look at the list of players, there will be someone who hits 50 home runs, or maybe not, but someone who hits a ton of home runs later in the draft. Uh, he's, he's possible. He's one of the last ones that you can go, okay, 50 is a possibility. And I, to your point, like, uh, like at pick 200, that's almost like I need this guy to – like I need this to be a player, though. Right. But to your point of it being forty picks later, it feels more like, all right. Yeah, I'll take a <laughs> shot on that for sure. So I don't really like him at two hundred, but if I can get him a couple of rounds later, then I do think I do. Donaldson's kind of a similar deal, although it's a little bit nicer. The thing with Donaldson is there's zero percent chance he plays. I don't know five hundred plus plate appearances. His calf is not better. It's not going to get better. And he's obviously one of the oldest players at this spot in the draft. So if you have a plan to replace him with when he's hurt, I think you can do a really, really good job and make up a lot of ground and get some really good stats out of it. But if you take him expecting him to be your third baseman that you slap on your team and you don't have to adjust it, you're going to be in for a surprise because he's going to get hurt at some point. He's going to miss playing time. So I do not buy that he is that, but I do think there is some value to be found there. And then who's the other guy? Eduardo Escobar. Eh, he's fine. He'll hit for power. He might have the best chance to hit for batting average of these three guys. He probably does, but it's not going to be good. It's going to be 250 to 260 at best. So yeah. He's not going to do – He's not. you might find him on the waiver wire. Mm, I don't know if I buy that. that I think he'll be every year with Eduardo Escobar. I, last year, I think <laughs> – uh, was it last year or the year before? I No, it was last year. I picked uh, – or I drafted him, and I mean, I found a spot for him everywhere. So well, I don't last know. year, he also started off hot. He did, yeah. There's certain years with him. I don't know. He's a weird player. I, I I agree, though. I mean, if, I think if you're taking someone around here, whatever. And I think the big thing for him is if you find yourself with Pete Alonso <laughs> and a couple of, like, dense players who aren't going to have positional eligibility, he gives you three. He'll have yeah. third base, second base, first base, and there's something to that, and possibly even shorts. And he also can capably play those positions. So um, he'll get played appearances. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, that'll do it for our individual player stuff. Let's uh, go ahead and quickly get into the bit where we talk about our best buys and worst buys and so on and so forth. I will lead us off. I'm going to go with best buy. And this was tricky because I consider this to be the top 20 third baseman considering some of the other questions we have here. And I really don't love anyone outside of like the top couple of guys. So the one I actually went with was Luis Urias, where he's at, and I say that shakily. I'm not super confident with it, but I do like him, and I think that's definitely a pick I like. I, it won't be the third baseman I end up with because I'll have someone else before this. I'm just not going to be as happy getting, you know, uh, I don't know, Devers at 19 or whatever it may be, if that makes sense. Uh, what do you think, Brian? Who is your t- best buy as far as the top 20 third baseman? Yeah, so uh, I just talked about him. So Donaldson's one of them just because of where he's going, and he is barely inside the top 20. But the other one is Anthony Rendon because I think if you're getting him in the 10th round or something or the 11th round, that's a guy that could return that third or fourth round value. And I just don't see anything to suggest last year's really him. He played through injuries, and he's still in his prime. So he's the other guy for me. Yeah, Brian took both of mine, so (laughs) I guess I will – yeah, took took both of them. So I guess I will add on. Um, I, I like Alex Bregman at pick sixty four. I think you know with him being just twenty seven, I think there's still a lot of potential here for a, a really nice season. A whole lot of stats there, minus the steals. But I'm comfortable with where you'd get him at pick sixty four with the potential of what he can put up. 
All right, let's shift gears and say, who is the bad buy of the draft for you? Let's go with Ron first. Who would you not have in any league? Huh, I wonder who this answer could be. Um, it's going to be Jose. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's your boy, Adalberto Mondesi. Get out of my ba- get off my baseball team, sir. <laughs> get out of my yard. That frisbee's mine. Get now. off my get off my lawn. Yeah, Mondesi is is the one that sticks out as like. I just don't even understand why you would pick, why you would select the guy. Um, I'm sure there's someone else who only can steal bases available later on. But the non-Mondesi division, uh, I I do want to also mention Moncada, who we talked about earlier. Who again, real life player that I like, but there's no way I'm taking him here. Same with Chapman, who's similar spot. Mondesi and Moncada, the yeah. double M's. M and M, they were on my list. I don't have to say any more about it. So let's move on to the next one, which is best option outside of the top twenty. Let's go to Brian first on this one. Who do you like? Sure. So it's kind of gross down here a lot. I actually went pretty far for Evan Longoria, who's number thirty-eight, I believe, on on the board here, around pick four hundred. And if he's healthy, the Giants are going to play him. He's going to hit twenty twenty-five homers and put up like fine counting stats. He's going to be so boring, but I could say that about a lot of guys that aren't going at pick 400. I mean, that's not bad for there. I, I got a couple here and, and I'll, I'll be quick with them. So the, the, the first guy I like is Gio Urshela. Um, he's going to hit at the bottom of the lineup most likely in New York, but he is projected as of the way things sit right now. And of course we could see the Yankees make some roster moves. So it could be something where he goes back to the bench but he's slotted in as their starting shortstop now. He's got third base eligibility. And he puts up solid numbers when he's healthy and when he's in the lineup. 116 games last year, 442 plate appearances, 14 home runs, decent average. OBP kind of killed you a little bit last year. I'd like to see him get to that OBP we had a few years ago. If he could give you something like 2019 with 20 homers, 314, 355, I'd like that a lot better. But I think for where you're getting him, he's basically free. And if you have a backup plan until he gets to the majors, I'm a big Josh Jung guy. I think he could, you know, they have those Isaiah Kiner Falifa in that third base spot right now. There's rumors before we went into the lockout of him being traded. Uh, Josh Young has, has proved it at the at the minor league level. He's former first round pick, guy that I really like it, uh, as a potential uh, starter there at third base. Brings a nice hit tool, just a, a little bit shaky on the power. I hope that develops a little bit, but I do like him in that lineup. Completely agree on Jung. He was on my list. Picked 286 overall. Really nice spot there. Though, like you said, may not be in the majors for a bit, depending on how the CBA negotiations end up. However, let's say there are the CBA negotiations. Texas is clearly going for it. So I don't think they're going to wait if they have a spot for him to play. And I do think they will, and he'll be pretty good. And then I'll give you another prospect here at pick 255. It's Spencer Torkelson. Kind of a similar deal. Yeah. He's so good. He does not need to be in the minors. Detroit just signed Javi Baez to a huge deal. That division is easily winnable. If a month into the season, the Tigers are even remotely close to staying in it, I think they'll call him up, and I think he will just start raking. And then maybe a little less exciting, but I think someone who's getting overlooked a lot is Mike Moustakis at pick 352. He was clearly hurt last year. Yeah, that's another one I thought about mentioning, too, because mm-hmm. he's just like not on the radar. 206 plate appearances, just six home runs, and a 208, 282, 372. That's why he's not on anyone's radar, but he was hurt. And he's not that old. He's 33. He still has two years on his big contract with the Reds. He's going to play, and I think he'll get right back to hitting 30-plus home runs and batting 250. And, I mean, this is pick 355. This is – or 352. This is free. Yeah. Take Moustakas. 
All right, last little thing here. Best super late option, and this is players outside of the top 40, and it's gross. So therefore, I'm going <laughs> to go first so you guys can't say my name. Oh. Similar deal yeah. with uh, Torkelson and Jung. I'm going with a bit of a prospect here. It's Nolan Jones at pick 541. He's, of course, with the Cleveland Guardians. Guardians are bad. Why not? I think that, uh, I mean, maybe he won't play third base, so I guess this doesn't work. But if Ramirez gets hurt or something, or you know, maybe he retains that eligibility as he DHs, however your league's rules might be, he has some power. He's not going to hit for average, but why not? Ultimately, no good choices. But what about you, Brian? Are there any good choices? No, but I'm going <laughs> to cheat a little bit. And this isn't even a player who I like for this year at all, but he's at number 40, and it's Carter Kaiboom who... Hasn't shown anything, but he was a top prospect, and he, he's a good defender who is playing for the Nationals, who are bad, and should just give him a chance to to play baseball. So he's the guy here for me that I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't take him, but if you have to take somebody this late, maybe he puts some of it together with some playing time. Um, if I have to pick my, ba- my third baseman from here, I'm just going to quit my league, so... <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, here yet again, you're getting free guys. I'm going to go with my Rays fandom and I'm going to go with former Ray Mike Brosseau. It Now he has to win a job. He's listed in, on the AAA roster as of right now. Uh, showed some flashes with the Rays. Didn't really get a whole lot of playing time, but in 2020 in the, in the, in the COVID season, hit 302, 378 with five homers, a couple of steals. So we'll see if he wins a job. He could be a bench bat, but it could be a guy that might give you, you know, 10, 10 to 15 homers, maybe five steals, hit for a decent average, a guy that you could throw a dart on. You could do a lot worse. The thing you just said, I'll apply that to a guy we discussed in the prospect show, Brendan Donovan of the Cardinals, who I could totally see (laughs) at 25 getting called up and hitting 12 homers and stealing eight bases. (laughs) So there you go. If If you want to know how bad third base is, particularly this late, know that Yandy Diaz, who's essentially worthless in fantasy, is the 34th third baseman. So Yeah. Yikes. All right. Well, that does it. We had a bit of a long show, but it was a good one. I appreciate you gentlemen for talking baseball with me. Uh, Any final thoughts before we move on? Not a whole lot. I guess we'll be uh, back next week with shortstop, the position that has like 13 Hall of Famers at it. Uh, That'll be like our best position, so it'll be fun to do. It's like Oppositeville. So, Ron, I expect your shortstop puns to be top-notch. A game next week. I got a I got a week to work on them, so I'll put something nice together. There you go. So, <laughs> Remember, short stops, not tall goes. Ron's will be better than that. I hope it better be. All right, that, that does set the bar rather high. Though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was third base. So good luck in your fantasy leagues if you're drafting here in the next couple of weeks. If not, we'll see you next week. And may the fantasy gods shine upon you. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.